Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, guys? It's me, Gabrus. And uh, I just, before you get to my episode, by the way, thanks for listening. I just want to let you know that I'm going to be doing some live dates in the new year. So get yourself some tickets. Um, uh, the weekend of the 16th, 17th, 18th, I'll be doing a little Northeast. I'll be in Littlefield, Brooklyn on January 16th. I'll be at Great Scott in Boston on January 17th. And I'll be at the Ruba Club in Philadelphia on January 18th. Um, and then in February, I'll be doing a little Texas tour. Don't worry. It's after the Super Bowl, Texas. So you can come out on the weekend. It's uh, February 6th. I'll be at the White Oak Music Hall in Houston. On February 7th, I'll be at the North Door in Austin. And on February 8th, I'll be at the Son of Herman Hall in Dallas. Do yourself a favor. Get all your tickets at headgum.com slash live. You'll see links to all the tickets for my shows. Uh, so that's January 16th, 17th, 18th in Brooklyn, Boston, and Philly, and uh, February 6th through 8th in Texas, Houston, Austin, and Dallas. Thanks so much. Hope to see you out there. See you soon, shitheads. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. This is much more difficult when there's a near stranger as a guest. The number one fuckboy, Johnny G. Joining me as always in the High and Mighty studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Oh, a legit sneeze onto my mic. Thanks, bud. Cannot wait to breathe that in for the next 45 minutes. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, a longtime mutual follow. How else do you explain? Like a colleague? I don't know. But I'm excited to talk to her. I got Adrian Earhart. Hello. Hey. Welcome to <laughs> the High and Mighty Studios. Thanks. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. I appreciate you looking at Arthur when I did it. Yeah, like, I thought oh, you might. Hey, there's something <laughs> else to, to the dog. <laughs> I'm going to avert my eyes as this nearly 40 year old man does this stupid fucking gimmick. Hey, man, live your truth. <laughs> hey, this is me. I, and I feel like the uh, the listeners of this podcast are tired of hearing this, but. 
I that one was hard for me. As I started doing it, I was like, you know, I've we've been talking for three minutes. This is way too much. Like, if I was interacting like acting like this anywhere else, would be a nightmare. But on my podcast, it works. It's, you can do whatever you want, man. So now you can you can't look dumber than me now. Oh, you know what I, I mean? Try. Like no matter, how, yeah, it's a race to the bottom. <laughs> Don't challenge me. Oh, I could do it. Uh, um, well, one of the things I want to talk about is something that's super zeitgeisty right now. That uh, well, uh, in addition to being a comic, mm -hmm. you are a you, you work in the cannabis industry. I do. Hell yes. yeah! You want to shout out your your store? Yeah, I'm the marketing director at the Higher Path in Sherman Oaks. Check it out. About to be more Higher Paths, so pay attention to that. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, uh, it's a big job, but I have the flexibility of still doing comedy, so I love it. And yeah. I get to do a lot of dope weed shit, and I get a lot of weed shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a little bag of schwack. Yeah, swag. I know. I uh, I am so excited. I am complete. I can afford almost anything I want in the weed world. Yeah. Like I, not anything I want, and free weed is still the best weed. Yep, yep. <laughs> I enjoy like, it myself. I love like when someone's like, "Hey, did you? Here's a free joint." You know, or like at you go to like any one of these weed events mm -hmm. and you leave with something. It's like, oh, this is fucking cool. I have too much free stuff right now, and I can't smoke because it's giving me panic attacks. So I'm selling like all my shit on like Let Go and Facebook Marketplace, and anyone who comes over, I'm like, "Do you also want a toaster and a nightstand and maybe some weed?" <laughs> <laughs> and here's a goodie bag for thank you for being right? a customer. Yeah. They've all said no to the weed, but one guy tried to buy my plants. And I was like, no, those are my children. Get out of here. <laughs> you're, you're like, just because I can't smoke doesn't mean right now doesn't mean I can't keep uh, pruning and working right? with these guys. You're, you're, so um, that's that's my next goal is like my dream is to have uh, a space where I can grow my own. Yeah. Because I think that's like even more ch like when you're I'm going to be 40 in a couple of years and. I don't think I'm giving up dope in the next 20. No. And I think if you're like 50 something, it should at least be from your garden. So yeah. you can have like that, like adult feeling. There you of go. Like, yeah. Be a horticulturalist. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, I'm not just a pothead. I'm also a gardener. Yeah. Canisseur. <laughs> you could do a canisseur. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, Mary Jane Gibson from the, uh, uh, from the weed and grub podcast. She said, uh, they said uh, cannabis gastronauts was yeah. what they were called. And I was like, that's a fucking Because they're cool chefs, her and Glazer, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. They're so cool. Canisaur, I haven't heard yet, and I like that. I didn't that. coin that, but it's a thing. Yeah, I've heard that. They, uh, whoops, they call them bud tenders at a lot of places yeah. now. Well, and like, people that sell weed are bud tenders. Right. And then, f like, flower representative is whatever the woman was calling herself mm -hmm. at um, Lowell Cafe when I went. Sure. Fine. And I was like, these are all such new, exciting job titles. Yeah, if you are. told like 16 year old Gabrus someday I could like, you could be a can of sore. You can make money. You can get free weed if you talk about it on your podcast. Like that's a fucking pretty exciting. <laughs> we live in the coolest state. I I'm know. sorry. I, and I got arrested for cannabis. That's what started my career in comedy. And I think about that all the time when people are like just getting into the cannabis industry now. And I'm like, man, you don't even know the struggle that we went through. Wait, tell me, tell me a little bit about this. You, this is your comedy origin story. Yeah, I'm from Florida and I was like three weeks away from going to grad school in Seattle. So I was out, uh, you know, trolling for dick <laughs> <laughs> as is my want. And I ended up at a comedy club because a buddy of mine was trying to get me to do comedy. I didn't know what it was. I grew up without cable. So I was not, I didn't know what stand up was. Oh, weird. Yeah. So this was like eight years ago. And I ended up meeting a dude who I've since married and am now divorcing. But um, <laughs> on our first date, he took me to a comedy club and we smoked weed in the back 
in the, in the alley and I got popped. And I, I mean, I'm from Florida. I've been throwing in cuffs like 11 times for this. I didn't think it was going to be a thing. That's on the <clears throat> state flag, right? It's yeah. like a guy getting, uh, someone being put, yes. a topless woman being put in a police cruiser yes. or something. Yeah, that's me. That's actually the outline of me from a seven, as being 17 year old. <laughs> I actually get residuals on the flag. So it's yeah, pretty good. I do. In a public park where there's children present. Yeah. So they, uh, he was training a rookie cop. So he had to. He had to book me. It's oh. yeah. So then I didn't go to grad school and I ended up staying and then I'm dating him. And, uh, I, now that we're getting divorced, I can honestly say like, I fell in love with stand up comedy and it was like symbiotic with him because it was, he was teaching me what it was and stuff. Oh and yeah. Yeah. Should, probably should have just ended that relationship sooner. <laughs> uh, my, uh, this is not at all the same thing, but that's like, I've only been camping a couple of times mm -hmm. and I've only done shrooms a couple of times and they're both, they're yeah. the same. So camping and I'm like, I love camping or do I love shrooms? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> they're, it's, a, it's a symbiotic relationship yeah, for it's sure. A very, I, yeah. That's but then, a, it, you know, I started doing comedy by myself and he became like an Instagram character. So stand up is mine now. Yeah. So I feel good awesome. about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you cannot lose that. You don't have to give up half of that. Nope. You, no one can take that if away If anything, from I have way more material now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> way more material, way more time. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear about, I mean, we talked about this off mic. So, yeah. but if, I feel like for the listeners, if I just never, you're like, I'm going through divorce. I'm like, uh-huh. So talk, weave <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wait, let me casually mention um, that I'm a human, an em empathetic human. It's cool. I'm cool about it. Yeah. Um, you are cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a person who is like dangerously forthcoming and I appreciate that in you. Like, yeah. like your Instagram stories of just like, this is the sh shit I'm fucking going through right now. Yeah. It's just so odd. Like it's empowering even for me to see if I, if I, I can't can hide that. it. Like yeah. it would be so painful for me to not be able to express myself through my art. Right. And, and also you're not like, it's not like you're having a mental breakdown on like, you know, I mean, whether you are or not, is, it, is whether you are or not is not for me to decide, but you're not like, we're not laughing at you falling apart. Right. On, yeah. You're not like Randy Quaid. Right. Now. Right. Right. I'm just going through it. It's like the separation is just, it's the annoyingness, annoyance of separating our things. And it's like, like at, at a base level beyond like the heart, and all that shit, it's like a logistical nightmare. It's a logistical nightmare. And yeah. that's what I'm focusing on right now because I'm moving, like I said, I'm having people come to my home and buy my things for like, you know, I bought this desk for $130. I'll give you 40. Okay, fine. <laughs> Will you help me carry it to my car? Fine. Just get it out of my apartment and I'll, fine. Yes. Yeah, you just, like just fresh start. It's get so some annoying. New shit. And I yeah. have to do everything. He cherry picked his shit and dipped. Uh, after I caught him, he's, he was cheating like fucking crazy. Oh. So, I mean, this is Instagram fame. It just gets to you, you know, it goes to people's heads. It that's goes for to sure. their heads, oh. whatever. Good riddance. I'm, I'm over yes. it. You're fucking going to be much better off. I'll now. be fine. Yeah, you yeah. know, you can't call me fat and get away with it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And thank you for the heads up. I'm sorry. I called you fat when you walked in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like how black people could say the N word. Oh. I thought since I'm fat, I can call What's whoever. What's up, my fatty? How you doing? <laughs> yeah, What's up, fatty? Hey, we just meeting in person. Yeah. Um, but one of the big things that's going on in cannabis right now is like this, uh, you called it vape gate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like this, the pendulum has swung back the other way on mm -hmm. vape mm -hmm. because there are some dangers to the shitty, to the non, like the illegal vapes, right? Yes. Is that what, it, cause that's what I keep telling people come to me a lot for like weed questions because mm -hmm. they, uh, but I'm not like as informed. I'm more of like a stoner who knows what he likes. I'm, 
I surpassed my wine knowledge with weed. Got it. And, but I have not like, it's not caught up to like my level of knowledge of movies and stuff. So when people are like, so what's the deal with vapes? I'm like, uh. <laughs> that's the difference between being like a cannelier, like a sommelier, yeah. somebody who understands terpenes and things like that. And somebody who understands like compliance and illegalities and things right, like that. Right. There's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is like now that the world is like cracked open, it's just like, uh, like the cannabis world is now. So it's just as disparate as like IPAs yeah. or wine. Now yeah. it's so huge. Yep. Um, but there's like this report or whatever that, Va uh, vapes are behind or the cause of several deaths in the last couple years. Yeah. And um, when people come to me and talk about that, I always say like, I I'm not a real vapor anyway, because the reason I started smoking dope was like, cause it was natural and it wasn't like, right. it was from the earth. So it felt real. And then when I started getting into like dabs and vape, I'm like, am I getting away from the reason I got into grass flower? Like, mm -hmm. um, but I would always, I always say like, I think that doesn't go for like the legal live resin of like a high end company is mm -hmm. not going to kill you. No. And, and, and I'm correct. In there's that, right? the, the problem here is the illicit, illegal, unlicensed, unregulated market, which has been formally known as the black market, but we're right. not going to give them that kind of power. When you say black market, you imply that there's a white market and that's not what we're saying here. There's right, not a right. disparity. And we, most of us lived in the shadows in the black market for most of our cannabis careers before right, right. coming into the light. And nobody wants to go back to those days. So it's yeah. un unlicensed, unregulated because the people who are making positive, effective change are those who are following the rules and paying their taxes. Right. So what these illnesses are being caused by is um, additives that are thickening agents in these vapes. So vitamin E acetate has been the one that they've singled out for this right now. So that's in e-cigarettes, that's in cannabis vaporizer uh, batteries. There's also a couple of them are um, leaking lead from their cartridges because they're from factories in China that again are not being tested right. or vetted through like a CannaSafe is our favorite uh, testing facility to go through. They're great. They're, they're local and they- So uh, if something is CannaSafe approved or it's been checked by CannaSafe, you, you, you can be CannaSafe. confident. Yeah, that, you can yeah. definitely be confident. We've been working with them at my shop to make sure that like we randomly tested all the vapes in our shop. And if anybody uh, didn't uh, submit for vitamin E acetate testing, they're not on our shelves. So, oh, cool. so we kind of like strong armed everyone into doing that. And like Canisay furthermore got the machinery necessary to implement those testing standards. Oh, like awesome. immediately they made that happen like so fast. Yeah. That's like, I, 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 I the advice I gave my, uh, I'll just say friends to keep there. Uh, the advice I gave my friend was like, they're like, how do I know? I'm like, if your pod is $20, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to kill you. Artie, get down. It's going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like a high quality concentrate that has no additives. That is a gram or a half gram is going to cost you money. Like if you want some numbers like dank vapes, something like that. Yeah. That is a uh, testing at about 20% THC and 35% vitamin E acetate. Jesus. What, what's the name of that? Dank vapes, Ugh. which is just a brand that anyone can slap their fake shit on and sell on right. the unlicensed market, ship it back east to their homies, and yeah, it's that's making what I, people sick. That's what I found when I was back uh, back east in New York. A lot of my the, my old uh, grass hookups mm -hmm. are now also selling. Like I'm like, oh, can you bring? Can you come through with an eighth? And they're like, yeah, do you want vapes or edibles too? And I'm like, oh, I'll take a look. And then when they show up, I'm like unrecognizable brand mm -hmm. of uh, edibles often like reminds me of like uh, 
like 2010 LA edibles where yep. you're like, Ugh. someone just made this, wrapped it up. And you're I, like, I don't want to eat this. Yeah, I have no uh, idea how many, I don't even know like, if they use gloves, <laughs> right? no less, like the right dosage. And then the vape pens all, they were like, it's a jewel pod, but it's got THC. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't trust it. Yeah. And we did, uh, CannaSafe did a random sampling of 15 uh, illicit vapes. And they found uh, 50 times the amount of microbutanol allowed, which is um, it's a it's a pesticide that's in like neem oil, and when heated up, uh, turns into hydrogen cyanide. So Jesus, a, a very I- tiny amount, like 0.2 parts per million, it's considered safe. But once it's concentrated in these forms and in these illegal substances, it's 50 times the legal limit. Piperonal butoxide is another one that's fog bombs, 26 times the legal limit found in those. So Jesus. you're literally not just vitamin E acetate that at this point, like the additives, these pesticides that you're inhaling are just, cause there's no testing done on this shit. There's no certificates of analysis. There's no manifest. There's no company being held accountable. There's no taxes being paid. Interesting. You are at risk. And then that's how come the reason they get to actually even get any access to the market, to the public is because they're skirting all that and all the additives, they could underprice yes. the, their shit. They, yes. uh, you know, they, they'll say it's a $20 cartridge. People are like, fuck, why would I get a $60 cartridge? Right. I'm and getting this. the illegal shops are selling these brands and doing just fine. I keep hearing from friends and uh, other potheads or they're like, Oh, have you gone to like an illegal shop yet? You can get like a quarter ounce for like $75. Yeah, you can also get like walking pneumonia and possibly die. Right, right. I'm like, at this point, like, I'm not trying to save money and risk myself at the same time. (laughs) And you can't physically really tell a difference in the oils. Right, you can't. It's hard to taste. It's clear. It's hard to see. THC, once it's been turned into distillate, is clear. So all the additives are going to be different colored anyway. You can't tell if botanical terpenes or uh, cannabis-derived terpenes are being used. And it doesn't matter. They test the same anyway. But but if you have an over... Uh, overabundance of them, you can oversaturate your endocannabinoid system and get very sick and get CHS. Have you been hearing about that? No, what's Cannabis this? hyperemesis syndrome makes you throw up, makes you faint. The only, only cure is quitting weed and taking a hot shower. It's uh, Alice Moon is somebody who's been pretty vocal about having CHS. What? You, that's something you can get yourself? From uh, oversaturating your endocannabinoid system, your CB1 and CB2 receptors with too much cannabis use. Dabbing is the biggest culprit besides edibles for causing this oversaturation. And is that like uh, long time usage or like uh, big binge uh, usage? Either. Oh, okay. Like I know people that have been, you know, blunt smoking for a bunch. And I knew I had a buddy who was judging a high times competition and had to do like 30 dabs in a row. And he was hella sick for weeks and had to like pretty much go off the radar and quit weed for a while to recover oh, wow. and was like fainting and uh, throwing up all it's the like time. It's like cannabis poisoning more or less. Essentially. Yeah. yeah but it's the like, cannabis itself isn't bad for you. Just everything in moderation. I mean, it's the same as binge drinking. You're going to get sick. Right, you're going right. to get better if you stop binge drinking. Right. Oh yeah. No, I've nearly... I've had a dozen experiences in which maybe someone should have taken me to a hospital with Mm -hmm. alcohol (laughs) and never did. But I can't imagine like that was not good for my body. Long term, short term, any of that. Do you dab? I dab like the way I do shots now when I'm like 30 at 30 something. It's like if there's a rig and everyone's like, we're going to do dabs, I'll do one. Yeah, Yeah. a little baby one. Yeah, but I, I don't I can't. I'm not a steady dabber. I used to be. I used to like dab and go to the gym. 
Ooh. And then like I saw like my mom die in my head one day on the Stairmaster and I like choke sobbed out loud. <laughs> it was like really bad. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to chill out on these You were like steps. that level of stone that you yeah. were having like dark fantasies Oh my and God. Shit. It was, I think it was a panic attack now that I think back on it. And I, now that you're I just, learning more about Now that I'm attacks. learning more about them. Now that I'm having them and waking up on my floor face down. <laughs> now you know. Oh, they're geez, fun. Yeah. They're really fun. Oh, uh, they're, uh, they're a blast. Highly recommended. Yeah. And it's dabbing in general. If you have a dab rig, you can, someone today actually was buying a dab rig and they pulled me out from the back and they were like, you can do DMT on these, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, yes. here's how you do it. <laughs> I do a lot of psychedelics. So I'm like the resident expert for like, well, you can use this device to do this drug. Uh, oh, that's yeah. The dab rig was always like, I don't want to make it too easy on myself to get <laughs> yeah. fucked up. You yeah. know, cause I, it's, I do have a little bit of a chase the dragon issue sure. when I, once I, once I, break the seal or have my first hit. I'm sort of like, by the time I go to bed, I'm like, I need to do a rip of Keef. You know, I need to just get my fucking, I need to get super high so I can go to sleep or whatever. Yes. I, I, you you want to just keep getting higher. Um, so my way to fight that, to w- my way to limit my consumption is try to take two days off a week where I don't at all. And push my start time as far as I can every day. Yep. I'm like, I don't let myself smoke until I'm done with all of the things I have to get done now. Yeah. That's like some 38 year old man shit. But well, I've yeah. been like that's for most of my cannabis smoking career. Yeah. I, I don't like to smoke in the day and I don't like to smoke when I got shit to do, especially like smoking and going to the grocery store is a fucking nightmare. Oh, to, to me, it's like what, what the opposite of a nightmare, a wet dream or whatever, but it's the, the repercussions are awful. I'm like, yeah, well, I can't believe I bought this much mango. It's going to go bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do I, what am I doing here? Yep, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Tiff, my wife will be like, did you buy 12 coconut waters? <laughs> I was like, I was so thirsty. <laughs> and I'm like, Electrolytes, babe. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'm like, this is like, you, it's hard to think long term when you're stoned like yeah. that. Yeah. I find when I get high, I'm either thinking way too short term mm-hmm. or way too long term. Yeah. Like I can't like I, I, my, my, life vision gets all over the place where I'm like, yeah. All right. Well, hopefully by next May I'm pretty buff or like, I'm like one minute I need to play video games or I need to jerk off or I need to eat Uh or something like I'm just like laser focused on something small. There's no way I can like survive being like that all day. It depends on the strain too. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, that's, that's another thing I found recently is I don't even know if I'm affected differently by sativa and indica anymore, I, I, I stand by this and I, I, I'm, I could easily be wrong, but I find that the headspace I'm in before I smoke is plays more of a role. Yeah. plays more of a role than like, if I'm wound up and like pumped and like a bunch of friends are over, I could smoke like fucking perp heavy indica and not be put down. But if I'm tired at the end of the night and I have like blue, even like any sativa Uh doesn't like crank me up either. I've always said that it's like how you go into it. Like if you're going to sit on the couch, even if you smoke a sativa, it's going to couch lock you. That's exactly. It's it's like it's fucking coffee and it kicks in. You're like, Oh, I got to get up and go for a run. Like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's THC at its core. Right. Especially when you're smoking in these indoors that are like 18 plus percent oh, 26 yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna get loaded yeah it's gonna be hard not to <laughs> and furthermore they're doing away with indica sativa hybrid that was like a like a very arbitrary system set up you know I, for your listeners i don't know if they know but like if something has 50 percent mercine or more it's considered an indica 50 percent limonene or more it's considered sativa limonene smells like citrus so it has like a very zesty feel mercine is found in like hops and mango yeah it's so, like that's like the earthy dank yeah kinda and then you can, you can smell it if it smells like a little bit like beer you know it's 
that's its dominance and it's going to make you a little sleepier. It's going to give you a body buzz. Yeah. And if it smells like lemon or citrus, it's going to, you know, energize you. Yeah. It's like lemon, pine and citrus sativa. And then like the indica is like earth cheese. Yeah. Uh, yeah like that world. Yeah. yeah. Musty. Yeah. And then, uh, cause I guess what we're talking about here a little bit is uh, something I've heard is the entourage effect. Right. And that's just sort of like it's less now about sativa and mm-hmm. indica and more about like what terpenes are in this the profile, strain. the profile. Yeah. yeah. So like yet even amongst what we call sativas, there are like uh, wild variances between Jack Harrow and mm-hmm. Blue Dream or mm-hmm. Silver Haze, whatever the ones, you know, are. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what causes the effect. And like we're getting so good. We being cannabis scientists, not we, me, but like getting so good at like honing in on that stuff that we're going to, I feel like we're eventually going to be able to make like these super strains more or less where it's like the pinene is through the roof yep. and it's exactly what you want. All the effects you if want. You have asthma, ones- a bron- it's a bronchodilator. I always look for things that smell like pine forest because that's going to oh, help you. It's going to make you cough a little bit. It's going to loosen up your bronchioles. It's going to help you breathe better. Oh, I never even heard that. Yeah. That's, that's- why it's super lemon haze is a really pinene heavy one. That's why I used to dab before the gym. Oh, nice. Cause that helps with your asthma. Yeah. It'll make you cough in the moment. Be- yeah. Yeah but it'll open everything up. Yep. Oh, that's so that's cool. Shit. And the entourage effect affects uh, cannabinoids too. So you have THC, CBD, CBN, CBG, THCA. You have all these new cannabinoids that people haven't been studying or at least haven't come to light. And now people are finding out like, hey, you can do like CBN, CBG. And you're not going to get high. You're just going to pass out, fall asleep. No psychotropic effects, you know? Oh, They say not, it's not psychoactive. CBD is not psychoactive. That's not entirely accurate. It is psychoactive. It affects your brain, which means it's it's psycho. Yeah. So psychotropic, meaning it doesn't give you like uh, hallucinogens or Yeah, it doesn't make visuals. you feel high, but it does something to right, your brain. Right, 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 right. And uh, what, when you say the entourage effect amongst those cannabinoids, we're referring to like how people say for CBD to really work, you want a little bit of THC yep. with it and vice versa. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're like you're stronger with your crew. Right. They work better to be together. CBD by itself is a great anxiety. It's great for inflammation, um, but it doesn't really do shit. Like you need a little bit of THC, even in a bath bomb, which I put one in there for you. From oh, Kush hell Queen. Yeah. My wife's going to go ape shit. That's from Kush Queen. Shout out Olivia Alexander, who was just in. Uh, oh, Kush Queen is the brand of yeah. uh, uh, bath bombs I've bought her previously. Yeah. That's awesome. Olivia yeah. is the homie. She's taken over. She's Her stuff's in like Urban Outfitters and stuff. She's amazing. I know. That's so, I know. She's amazing. I like weed, weed going this mainstream is like. It's the best. Yeah. It's, it's not fully what happened to Marvel and Star Wars, things from my childhood that right. are now ruined by their popularity. Yeah. But. Not yet. Exactly. It's just like uh, my mother-in-law keeps texting me. I'm like, have you seen this world's first cannabis cafe? I'm like, I'll take you there when you come out if that's what you want. People are blown away by Lowell Cafe. I went there a couple weeks ago. Had my assistant book us a little fucking table. We went in there and had a little date. I had a comedy show plus these panic attacks, so I didn't even smoke weed. <laughs> and she was like going to go drink. So she was like, I'm not trying to get crossfaded. So we just sat there not smoking weed eating munchy food, but enjoying the, you know, the ambiance and stuff. I, that's what um, I went with a buddy and, uh, for my official review, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go back in a couple of months after it's been open for a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. because it had some restaurants. Yeah. It had some kinks, it had some restaurant growing pains, mm-hmm. but the vibe of a place it's where tight. people have bongs at their yeah. table is pretty dope. And it's beautiful with all the plants. Lowell has always had like the, the best aesthetic and we have one of their displays in our shop and our oh, budget right yeah. now. It's I like mean, the wood and the light. Yeah, packages are so cool. It's great. It's eco-friendly. Uh, you know, their stuff biodegrades and they use magnets and yeah, I'm a big fan of their products. Uh, me, I'm a huge fan of their products. I'm a huge fan of their aesthetic. I, the weed, the, t- like the cannabis aesthetic 
used to be like sort of like I used to be like the poster boy, like heavy set bearded guy who plays video games and eats uh, Taco mm-hmm. Bell. Now the cannabis aesthetic has been sort of revamped and you work in cannabis marketing. So I blame you, but uh, it's now like tatted up artist girls with like huge hats, you know, and like, uh, like uh, everyone's like, you know, like a uh, buff shirtless, like uh, ethnically ambiguous yeah. dude, like painting. Healthy with like people. A, yeah. It's like, and it is the, it is the revamp that it needed because the vibe, the vibe in Cal, when I moved to LA, I was already uh, like almost a daily pot smoker in New York. And then when I moved to LA and just, it opened up that like, it wasn't just for like ripping bowls in your house and playing Skyrim. And it yep. was just like, do you want to smoke weed at this dinner party? Do you want to hike and smoke at the top? And we can like walk down all stony. I'm like, Oh hell you can live yep. a different life. Yep. Yeah. That's very freeing. And like the stigma stuck for a long time. I still suffer that sometimes people are like, Oh, you're just high as shit all the time. Aren't you? And I'm like, I haven't smoked weed in like three weeks at this point. <laughs> And I just, I'm never going to live that down because I used to dab in my Instagram videos and talk about it a lot. And I've always, I've been working in weed pretty much since I lived in California. So yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Like uh, a lot of my podcast listeners and like fans or whatever will always be like, dude, Gabriel's is probably stoned 24 seven. It's like, that's unsustainable. Yeah. And also when I'm casually stoned, if you're not a close friend of mine, you'd be have a hard, you'd be hard pressed to find, figure it out. Cause I'm not like, I don't. I've been doing it for so long and I have a high tolerance. I'm not like high school stoned every time I can get myself there for sure. And I do, I do every once in a while, Mm -hmm. but normally I'm just sort of like a little slower, a little goofier and no one could even tell. Yeah. Yeah. Same. But everyone I know that smokes regularly, like all day and stuff, they don't have jobs. Their parents support them or like their lifestyle is conducive to that. Yeah. I'm the latter. Um, I, I guess I do have, I have jobs, but my wife does support us. But I also, my career is a lot of things I could do while stoned. Like, You're lucky. I have a day job. And like, yes, I'm in cannabis, but I can't show up to my job high. No. It would be so hard to like, I'm building a website right now. Do you, do you know how difficult that would be <laughs> yeah. if I were high? Yeah, it's like, it's like one thing if you're like hosting a cannabis event or something, but having like to do real shit, like yeah. real marketing work is not yeah. something I you can't can do. do like, oh. I always imagine that I can get high and write, and yeah. that's just something I can't do. No, I can get high and brainstorm, but I can't really focus on on. You can like make a, premises, and then you go the next day, and you're like, Ugh, "What was I even saying yeah, who here?" The fuck, like, uh, fuck my cousin? Question yeah. mark. What? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, or we did that. Uh, I was super high at a Santa Gold concert in uh, New York one time, and I had like this mo- like I just had like she was so entertaining and so talented and I was so high and I was like vibing so hard. And I was like, Oh, I, I need to be more creative. Oh my God. I have like, I was, you know, carrying a notebook at the time cause I'm a 20 something comedian mm-hmm. and I'm like writing stuff down. I'm like, I'm, my fucking brain, I'm open. I'm unlocked. And like the next day I look at it, I look at my moleskin and the one page just says, this is where that joke from before came from. One page just says, guy keeps trying to fuck girl parentheses but it's his cousin. And I was like, to my friend who crashed in my house after that, I was like, this is what I was so excited about last night. He's like, I didn't read it. Yeah. You were just so pumped that you were like coming up with something. I'm like, there's gotta be more to it. And I'm like, but was there? I like to write on acid. Oh shit, dude. Uh, I've never done acid. Oh yeah. I like I'm very intrigued by it. A little I'm, microdose. I, sometimes I'll do a microdose and go snowboarding. 
And then like, oh, it yeah. just takes away your fear. You just start riding dick out down the mountain a lot sooner than you would have, you know, and like a <laughs> little bit less afraid of stuff. And oh, like, that's awesome. I remember, last time I did, I was in Tahoe and I was coming up the ski lift right as it was kicking in. I mean, I'm talking like an eighth or maybe a 16th, like a micro dose. Yeah. And, uh, the sun came up and was glistening over the snow. It looked like diamonds on the trees. And I was like, <gasps> it was that's so fucking intense. awesome. Yeah. It was yeah. fucking gorgeous. And yeah. then it just rode all day. And like, my friends were like, we're tired. <laughs> like, and my I'm husband and I great. were like, we're good. We're going to just keep going all day. <laughs> that, that fucking rules. Yeah. Ah, that's fun. of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Once you've noticed that your hair is thinning, it can be too late. Oh, I feel like I'm doing the cold open of like a great, and that hairline slowly starts moving back. Any bald spots yet? The best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have time. So do yourself a favor this Black Friday, secure the best deal of all, a healthier, thicker hairline. Come on now. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims helps guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA approved products. This isn't like weird creams you rub on your head that like, you know, the like some ancient person in a basement gave you. No, there's no it's not gas station pills with like a picture of a hairy gorilla on it. No, these are prescription solutions backed by science. You don't even have to go into the doctor or the pharmacy, though. You go to for Hims connects you to real doctors online and then. Uh, you answer a few questions. They review it. If they determine it's right for you, they prescribe the medication. So this Thanksgiving, when your relatives say healthy and full, they'll be talking about your hair and not the turkey. You know, that classic expression, man, this turkey is so healthy and full. But seriously, get your hair fixed before your uncle ruins your entire Thanksgiving. Try hymns today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash mighty. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash mighty. Forhims.com slash mighty. Prescription products are subject to doctor approval and require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. This could cost $100 if you went in person to the doctor's office or pharmacy. So remember, that's forhims.com slash mighty. Yeah, I find that like I enjoy pairing weed with like with outdoorsy and like even arguably athletic type at shit. Like I loved, I ate 10 milligrams uh, when I went snorkeling in Hawaii and it was just like nice. a fucking dream come true. Cause I love my favorite thing to do when I'm high. And I've said this on the podcast too many times. So sorry listeners, but Adrian needs to know this. I need to know. Uh, <laughs> I really love to just be in the ocean when I'm okay. stoned. Like I'm a, I grew up You're as a, a beach boy. boy. I'm a, yes, I'm built for the water. Look at me. I'm built for cold water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hairless. I'm like a hydrodynamic. Nice. I am the animal I realize I'm most like, despite all the guys in my DMs telling me I'm a bear, um, I am actually a, I feel most like a seal. I was going to say seal. Yeah. I'm like a, a big, hairless, goofy performer yeah. who's happy swimming or just laying in the sand. Uh, That's nice. Yeah. And I, and this is inappropriate for having a stranger over my house, but like I have the body of a seal, like no hair, big belly. <laughs> Lucky like, you. Yeah. I got to do laser hair removal for that. I'm half Jewish. <laughs> I would, I would kill to have chest hair. Yeah. I want like old, like seventies man chest hair. 
I like talked to my doctor about test TRT testosterone replacement therapy. <laughs> like, do you think I could get body hair from that? He's like, it'll affect your like fertility and shit. He's like, don't do this for chest hair. <laughs> it will affect your fertility. Yeah. Well, so that's what I'm saying. Once I have a kid, then I'll get my chest. You hair. guys going to have kids? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the way too much information, uh, of it all is we've been trying for four years with okay. the aids of doctors and whatnot. And it's, a very difficult journey. Yeah. I think at some it. point my wife and I will do an episode about it okay. uh, of this podcast listeners. So then we'll be fully open, but fuck man, it's brutal. <laughs> I just made an appointment to get my eggs frozen. Smart. Cause I'm That's 35. A, oh, great. And Perfect. now that I'm divorcing, uh, well, we had agreed not to have kids anyway. Right. But that was uh, the reason, just TMI again, the reason we pretty much got divorced is because I realized a couple of years ago that I did want kids. Right. And I got married under not false pretenses, but I had agreed to something that my heart was not okay you with. You should be able to change your mind. I yeah. should. And yeah. I resented him and our lifestyle. And, you know, I pushed him into the arms of, I was going to say another, but it turns out it's many others. They're DMing me now. They're coming out of the woodwork. So there's many others. Um, Yikes. So I can have kids. And, you know, I was at the doctor the other day and she was like, yeah, let's go ahead and just get you an appointment for your have your eggs frozen and then you have your options are open yes your options are open i keep meeting women who are in their early four like every time i talk about this i meet women in their early 40s who are like i had my i had my kid at 41 i had my kid at 39 40, yeah. you know like it's completely possible i'd now. like 38 is my ideal yeah so i have like a couple years to like find someone and who also wants kids and it's hard though because i want somebody in comedy not necessarily a stand-up because we're fucked up but like comedy adjacent right but so who, that they're understanding yeah. yeah so that they get you i and, have a darkness in me that like a pe normal people just don't you know muggles right. <laughs> just don't understand civilians yeah yeah and once i found my tribe my comedy tribe like that was like i've always was too dark to be a ballerina too dark to be you know whatever else i was doing but once i found comedy i was like oh shit these are my fucking people yeah and then there's that element of like but the the dude as you're a heterosexual female the dudes in comedy are either uh like young and nowhere near in the same life thing as right. you or married or divorced, you know, like, yeah. it's like once you're in your mid thirties, like it's a whole new vibe. Like can't fucking wait to discover all of this. Yeah. <laughs> really excited about all of this <laughs> for the listeners uh, who can't see this. Adrian's eyes are looking through me into <laughs> some sort of future or something. <laughs> I can't wait to do uh, this. <laughs> I'm very annoyed to be single. I yeah. don't like being single. It's got, Oh, you've, it's any major change like that sucks. And the, the one that's attached to like, you feel hurt, truly hurt by it yeah. is a fucking nightmare. Big betrayal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm over that for the most part. Nice. Now it's just like, God, there's a lot of fucking work to do. Yeah, now to it's like fun. Yeah. moving and shit. Uh, moving, getting, are you doing apps? No. No, smart. I've just been fucking comics. <laughs> <laughs> They're so easy. It's a good start. They're there. They've been there for years. They've been in the wings just like, hey, man, if everything doesn't work out with him, you know? And then I'm like, hey, everything's not working out. Yeah. What's up? Remember, like, yeah. I uh, Remember how you asked me to the dance and I had a girlfriend at the time? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I don't. New dance coming up. You want to? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So with nothing serious. Right. And uh, I don't know. I'm, no. I'm going through it right now. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that. I, I know. I'm laughing at the pure honesty and honestly, slight discomfort I'm feeling. <laughs> a little bit discomfort. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I'm not having a problem. Like, I don't know. I think the panics are coming because I'm thinking about being alone 
and right. not finding that person that like that buddy. Cause that's right. what my husband was at the end of the day. I wasn't attracted to him for a long time, but like we were best friends. Right. And I, am I going to find that again? Am I going to find someone who can deal with yes. me? The answer is yes. You think? Yes. In LA? For sure. In comedy? Yeah, uh, you're getting a smaller and smaller uh, <laughs> target base. Comedy adjacent comedy is a big adjacent, comedy yeah. adjacent. A comedy writer. Yeah, comedy I've been writer. dating a comedy writer. Yeah, I like him a lot, but he could just at any moment just be like, "Fuck this! This you're too di- you're yeah. too difficult." And there are people who work in entertainment who have senses of humor, but aren't necessarily. Like my wife is very funny and she gets dark comedy and all that stuff. Only also we've been together since we were like 21, so like I've if she had any qualms about comedy, I have beaten it out of her in the last 17 years (laughs) and like dragging her to fucking comedy shows once a week for Mm -hmm. almost two decades. Uh, I I feel she loves you. She really does. There was a time like four years into comedy when I was at UCB, like doing comedy every week where she was like, um, I'm not going to come for a little while. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Completely yeah. reasonable. I feel off. And now we're at the point where like, I'm just like, she's like, do you want me to go to this show? I'm like, it'll be a hassle. I don't even know anyone else on the bill. Yeah. Let me just go there and be a weirdo by myself. Yeah. Yep. Cause some, it is, that's a weird vibe when you do like a variety show or like a, just a night at a bar show or whatever. And you show up and you're like, you bring a friend and they have to sit by themselves while yeah. you want to go to the green room or do whatever. And you're like, I'd rather go by myself. That way I feel I always tell Tiff, I always tell my wife, I'm like, I don't want you to come to a show or come visit me on set anywhere mm-hmm. until it's like the second or third time I've done it. Interesting. Because like, I'm already going to feel a little uncomfortable in those moments. Yeah. And having my wife there, having a friend there is like, now I feel the need. It's like when your agent is like, I'm going to come by set. And you're like, oh, now I got to like introduce this guy. Hey, look, it's so-and-so, you know? You know, I think I, among the other things I lost in the divorce, my knives and things like that, <laughs> I think I lost my fucks because I, my first date with this guy, he came and saw me do comedy. But that's- Set list. Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah. So I was like, oh, sorry. I didn't realize it was set list. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> and he was like, no, it's fine. And then we had a fucking amazing first date. And Yeah, well, f- low key, uh, taking someone to your comedy show that isn't a longtime partner is a great way. Because like. If you're funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> confident. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, of course, if you're not good at what you're making someone watch, it's yeah. going to be awful. Yeah. But like. The power in like taking a guy on a date and then you just have the full room in your hand making everyone laugh, including it. Like it's enough of an aphrodisiac to make a person laugh. But for that person to watch you make 40 people laugh or yeah. however many people are at set list that night, that like. Yeah, I had a good set. Yeah, you can leave. It's like a, and there's like a post-show rock star yeah. like element to for it. Sure, with like, for sure. Holy shit, man. I want to fuck that funny dude. Up there. I had never <laughs> experienced that before. Right, right. Because I've been locked in like my relationship with him and comedy started at the same time. Right, right. So from your first show, yeah, same same here. I started doing comedy after I, I moved. I guess I was doing it in college before I met my wife. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd had more years under my belt. Yeah, but I was, it's all fucking hot garbage. You know what I mean? Like I have, if I, I did my first quote unquote improv show in front of a crowd when I was 18, so mm-hmm. it would be the year 2000. Oh my God. Uh, so I've been doing comedy pretty a regularly for 19 years. I'm no better than someone who's doing it pretty regularly for one year. (laughs) (laughs) I quit. I quit for almost two years. Oh, this divorce is what like pushed me to get back into stand up. Oh, that's great. Hey, 
I'm not trying. I, I, I am Johnny Silver Linings. My wife always makes right? fun, fun of me for this, but like that's a huge gift. Yeah, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. I have. I got my whole life back. I got me. I got my body back. I got everything I want in life right. back. I'm very, very happy to that's be. Amazing. Well, it's, it's one of those things, especially when you like share something with someone. And when you don't have that someone anymore and you're like, well, now I don't have to share anything. Like, yeah. you know, like now this is me. This is, I'm uncut. I'm unfiltered now. This is like, I don't have, I'm, I'm like unburdened. Yeah. If, I feel definitely unburdened. Yeah. Well, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, let's, let's jump back to cannabis okay. uh, for, for a little bit here. Um, so if, if our, if listeners across the country or in legal states are curious about these toxic vapes or whatever, get ones that are tested, yep. testing at CannaSafe or wherever, or you, if it's like a reputable brand that you've heard, like that we've all heard of, like Lull Smokes does cold pressed cannabis. They're not going to like, they're, they're, there are knockoffs though. Yeah. Oh, so, so you yeah, have to be careful. It has to be a, a licensed shop and there are websites where you can go put in a, a license number and see if it's a licensed shop. Oh, cool. And then there are also things, I'm not sure about other States, but like in California, if they're open past 10 PM, that's a dead giveaway. If they don't give you a receipt, they don't check your ID. Like there are ways that you can tell. Right. If right. They're close to a school. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you see where I live in, uh, I live in sort of West Hollywood. This is like the Mecca, wild west. Yeah. There's like hundreds of dispensers. Uh, we the lull smoke. The lull cafe is not too far from here, and I've seen signage for two more spots. Yep, consumption cafes. Yeah, because WeHo's its own area. So yeah, LA is gonna give us consumption lounges pretty soon. I can feel it. That's fucking great. Just fucking wait, dude. It's truly talking to some friends, especially. I have a lot of friends who are. The term I learned again from Mary Jane was uh, California sober, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, I smoke weed almost every day and do shrooms every once in a while, but I'm sober. Mm -hmm. And the Lowell Cafe, I got to like going there with a friend. We're both big drinkers, but we're, we're both trying not to drink. We just like rented a bong, bought an eighth and got two green juices. And we were just kind of hanging out before dinner. And I was like. Our tomorrow is already going to be better than it would mm -hmm. be if we met up and had two cocktails. Yeah. And now we can rip bingers all night long at the table and keep ordering food. Mm -hmm. Like that's it's awesome. It, fuck it. It's so I'm so excited that that's something that we're going to have in this state, yep. in this city. It's it's going to be so. And it came at the right time because like Lyft and Uber are big and like you can just get rides everywhere. Yes. And scooters. Although I don't really recommend you riding a scooter high because you're already annoying on those things. Yeah. I, uh, I will ride a scooter high pretty often, but it's, <laughs> but it's recreational. It's not for transport. Oh, okay. Like I'll just be stoned walking in the neighborhood and I'll be, see a bird and I'll be like, all right, let me just buzz down, buzz back, yeah. buzz around. <laughs> I know people that like commute with those. I can only imagine. Well, it, every time I interact with someone, I flip how I feel about these scooters, these mm -hmm. e-scooters. So for listeners who don't know what we're talking about, I'm sure you do because it's like such a topic out here in L.A. And I'm assuming in a lot of other major cities, we have like these scooter apps, which are like Uber for e-scooters. So they're all over the city. You can jump on one, use your phone and, and, and take off. And for a lot of people, it's a hassle because mm -hmm. it's changed the traffic. Like I live near Melrose. You drive Melrose. It's already a clusterfuck with a four lanes, two lanes of parking and everyone doing... Melrose is the street where everyone goes, you don't have, just do whatever you want. You, you're in a car. Yep. <laughs> and then also there's now like 20 year old kids on scooters on the sidewalk in the street crossing and it's and like bumping into people and hurting them. And yeah. It's a why. And then, so you're like, they're a fucking scourge. Get rid of these scooters. And then you hear from someone how like scooters opens it up to, 
opens up commuting to non-drivers, to yeah. people who can't afford a car. They can maybe afford a scooter that gets them to public transit. I get it. And you're the like, infrastructure is not here yet. We are not ready yes, for it. we're not ready for it. We need a designated bike and scooter lane on every Or major. like even a raised like ramp so a car can't merge into you. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like fucking, it goes up like- Oh, that would be fucking awesome. It's that, not ADA compliant, but right. like you go in the sidewalk. Yeah. It's not that ADA, com- like scooters are not ADA compliant. <laughs> no, but like if, wherever a scooter can go, a wheelchair can go. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that's a really, that's a really smart idea. I, yeah, we should have more bike lanes. In La- It's crazy that Los Angeles for its weather is not a biking city. Yeah. It's humiliating. Too many cars because like, it's too spread out. Right. But you can like ride two miles and, and it's completely, like I used to ride my bike all around Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, I'd ride because my gym, I lived in like Carroll Gardens Red Hook area and my gym was all the way in the Gowanus. So I would ride my bike there and then like ride around Park Slope. I was very much a, I know that Union has a bike lane for X, so Mm -hmm. I stay on Union until I have to get off. Yeah. And I never really rode in Manhattan, only just like once or twice. I don't blame you. I saw so many bikers get hit. So many. It's crazy. I would never ride it. I mean, when I lived in Brooklyn, I lived at Flatbush and DeKalb, and this is before it was gentrified. So it was like a really dangerous area, you know, and I would never have left my bicycle anywhere around any of that. I would have had to take it up and put it in my apartment and shit. That's like a fucking asshole. That was me. I I lived at South Forth in uh, Bedford in 2004 when it was like completely ungentrified. Uh I'm carrying my bike up the stairs. And then Mm -hmm. when I moved to Carroll Gardens, it was... I lived in a brownstone. It was a ni- nicer, neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, safer neighborhood. But I still like having a bike in New York City. He's like, I guess I walk this up the stairs. It's a liability. Every- yeah. Every morning I'm like putting my bike on my shoulder to walk down. And it's the winter. So I got to wear tights and this and that and a scarf. I'm wearing a scarf for the first it's time so in my life. It's so hard. New York <laughs> is so hard. I think about that sometimes. And when I'm like carrying my groceries from my trunk to my apartment, I'm like, I used to do this for blocks. I I always talk about having those purple fingertips yeah. from carrying like four Met Union yeah. bags and you're just like, hands are shaking. You get like, you have to stop at a corner and shake your hands out and then scoop up your four yeah. bags. Per hand. Yeah. You're like, fuck, I want to get a six pack of beer, but I just don't, I don't think I can it. do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you miss a handle, then you pick up the bunch and then one of the bags falls open and then oh, you're, yeah. everything's everywhere. It's fucked So many times that's happened to me. Uh, I finally got like a hiking backpack and that's how I used to transport my laundry too. So it's like one of those big, tall backpacks. Oh, smart. And I would just like add everything in there and then you just look like a fucking doofus, like a hobo running around. Well, that's the thing that New York can do to you, especially like if you're not a person with a traditional job, like I would, even when I had a traditional job, I was doing shows after or I had auditions or whatever. So I would be like, I would be living out of a backpack every day. Yep. Like just pretty much like get home at the end of the day and there's like a banana peel, yep. like dirty underwear and like a different pair of sneakers yep. in there. And I'm like, or, and often like some stupid sketch comedy prop. I got my, when bag searches blew up in New York and uh, uh, like- After uh, 9-11? Yeah, after 9-11, <laughs> bag searches went up. And then there was another resurgence of them in like 07, yeah. where they were just like some- they must have gotten word about something. Or yeah, it was some, Giuliani, wasn't it? Probably. But at that yeah. time, he was doing every cop on every corner. Yeah, it was and, like, fucking crazy. And, and which we thought at the time, I remember being like, Giuliani, what a hero. And mm-hmm. now you're just like, in I hindsight, know. you're like, oh, he was I like a him now. totalitarian. Yeah. But like, crime was definitely better. Like, yeah. there were cops everywhere all the time. Yeah, it felt, it feels cr- like when I first moved to LA, that's one of the things I noticed is like, there's no cops. I haven't seen a cop I in know. a long time. Unless you go to like a bad neighborhood. And then you go what? A bad neighborhood. Oh yeah. Then they're all hanging out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so cool of those cops. Yeah. Um, but the cops searched my bag one time going onto the train and they were like, sir. I'm like, um, 
just a heads up. I have a comedy show tonight. They were like, why? And I'm like, open the bag and you'll see what I'm talking about. In the bag is a luchador mask, a singlet and a huge dildo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you pervert. Yeah, I know. And that's all I, I'm like, they're like, I know they're like comedy show. You know, it's like, I promise. I promise. Dildos are funny for that's like a decade. Snuff films now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Follow this guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put a tail on him. <laughs> Man, if they'd searched my fucking bag with all my sweaty dance clothes and smelly dance shoes, oh my god, I would have been the worst. Um, I do like that New York has become a little more chill with weed. Yeah. The last couple of times I've been there, I've been like, I burned one on the sh- burned one on the street a couple I used of times. To smoke a blunt on a brownstone step, like. Oh yeah, on the on step a fire for sure. Or something. Yeah, some, yeah. Every once in a while, a cop walking by would like just shake his finger real quick and make a face or whatever. But like, yeah. if you're just being chill and. You know, it don't look like you're trying to sell. Right, right. Exactly. That's that's what they care about. They yeah. don't care about. Although, like, a friend of mine got dinged for vaping on the street, and when they searched him, they found some more stuff besides uh, weed, and that's how you get into real trouble. Don't carry that shit on your body. Yeah, no. But in New York, you got to. Right, you don't have a choice. <laughs> you can't put it in your center console. <laughs> I'm like, uh, once you get to a certain level of fame, you just get an assistant that carries that shit. Yeah. <laughs> put this in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Gotta tush it. Let's yep, go. Jam yep. it up there. Tush it. Uh, um, tush, tush it real, it real good. good. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we were both there yep, for that. Yep. Um, I I used to pay eighty dollars an eighth for delivery. Fuck you. Two eighth minimum because I lived in Brooklyn. This was like uh, I for anyone who maybe uh, maybe they're still in business. They were called Prime. You had to be at someone else's house when a delivery guy showed up there to be like past to be like, so my friend had me at his house when his delivery guy showed up. It's like, Hey, this is Gabris. He lives not too far from here. He wants to be added. Can to- be vetted. Yeah. yeah. But then you would send a text and be like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Or call the number. You had like eight numbers you could call. Some of them would be canceled or whatever, but you'd call the number and be like, yeah, I'm looking for a delivery. They're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, we can be there in the next seven hours. <laughs> like, it was like having fucking spectrum come to your house. You to, that. And you'd have to have $160 cash, which as a community, that's that would, so hard. That would be four improv coaching sessions. Yeah. I would finally get $160, order my two eighths. And then I would fucking like smoke it off. vape it, smoke it. Yeah. And now I'm like, have money, get free weed, live in LA. I'm, I'm, I'm like, fuck it. I'll toss this joint with like, a the little, roach. a little hitting it. Yeah, I would have had twelve roaches lined I up know. At, at any given Combine time. Combine them all up. I was scraping resin off the bowl. Oh. Yeah. You ever do the classic like uh, smoke a joint out of a bowl because yeah. the joint is like so small yeah. you like put it in the bowl and you're yeah. like, I'm ripping a, a bowl hit of paper. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> One time we took a hookah, the the top off of it. And uh, taped a blunt into the hookah thing, and we all just puffed the blunt because somebody had, was sick or something, and we were like, "No, you don't get to have your mouth on this blunt." Oh, that's awesome! It was an interesting <laughs> contraption. This is—I'm from Florida. This is yes. just—we have to have a blunt. We're, we're from Florida, <laughs> and that honestly was the least fucked up thing we've yeah, ever done down there. Oh, what we part of Florida are you from? Parkland. Oh, I, oh, I've heard of it <laughs> from the shooting. Yeah, yeah. I went to Douglas. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. That, my first coll- my first roommate after college went to Columbine, and okay. that's like it's such a. It's very weird, isn't it? it? They're all, it was like, where are you from? They you say, and everyone goes, oh, heard yeah. of it. But if you say you're from New York, no one ever goes nine eleven, huh? <laughs> I guess, yeah, nine eleven affected maybe, us too. Maybe non New Yorkers are like foreigners, like yeah, yeah. But it is like that's that's a weird. I mean, my reaction was insane too. Heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> no emotion attached. Pretty intense. To, it's yeah. like when I go back to visit, which is not very frequently, because my mom moved away from there. It's very the town is a completely different 
place now. They still are like, it's, it sits on them so heavily still. Yeah. I, I mean, not, I'm not comparing tragedies, but it is, that's what New York felt like in 2002 I too. I, was, just I like, moved to New York right after 9-11. I was uh, flying up for dance auditions all the time and stuff. And it was, uh, the vi- like the whole vibe changed and just yeah. go, you'd go over to like to ground zero and just cry because yeah. it was so shocking. The amount of space that was missing there, you know, oh, yeah. and the you, rubble and it's weird. Like you can watch, you can see it. You can try to fucking intellectualize it. But then when you're standing at the space, you're like thinking about how, like you're saying how big of a space that is and how high up it went. And you're like. Holy shit. Like it's, it's a lot to fucking handle. It was yeah. a lot. It was <laughs> like, a lot. I'm like, you're like, I'm in a weird headspace going through a divorce. I'm like, all right, cool. So, uh, 9-11. 9-11. Yeah, Park I remember. Shooting. Where were you? I was in Douglas. <laughs> I was at, the shooting. I was in Poughkeepsie at school and, uh, I live with all New Yorkers. Like we're all from Staten Island and Long Island and my, it was just like a crazy ass experience. Like, uh, the embarrassing thing for me was, and I don't know if I've told my nine eleven story on this podcast, but I had an 8 a.m. class, an art class, mm-hmm. and I used to just go eat breakfast and then go to sleep for a couple hours right after. I, after my art class, was walking to get breakfast on the TV, saw a smoking building uh, that I recognize as the towers, and I was like, that's, you know, just being a 19-year-old kid, that's nuts. Went in, ate breakfast, went to sleep. Went back to my room, went to sleep, didn't even think twice about it. My roommates all woke me up like an hour later. They're like, dude, dude, something's happening at the Twin Towers. And I was like, oh, yeah, I saw like an hour and a half ago. They were like, the building was smoking. And all my friends, all city kids are like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) And I was just such a fucking dumb college kid that I was like, oh, who cares? Some fucking news story, blah, blah, blah. And I slept through the rest of the shit. I feel like a fucking asshole. I was a junior in high school I remember and like they, the superintendent came on the loudspeaker and was like nobody put their TVs on we'll tell you what happened after and every teacher turned their TV on because everybody was from, from fucking New York you know right because it's people Florida. were crying everywhere people were trying to call their family and stuff and my mom came and got me because she's like who knows where they're going to hit next like you know yeah, it, was a, it was a real weird Jewish vibe. moms I Everyone in my college was from like the tri-state area because yeah. it was just like a low end. So it was like a huge deal. But then they also canceled classes for the day. Yeah. And the vibe was like, it's depressing, but it's still college and you just got canceled. I know. Classes canceled. And like this girl showed up to our uh, dorm room. She was like uh, uh, one of the girls in the friend group that we were friends with. She just showed up and she's like, fucking classes are off. We're going to fucking party. And I remember we, we were like legendary party animals, me and my college roommates. And we were like, took that moment to be adults. We were like, you need to chill the fuck out. Okay. You have no idea what it's like. We were like, she was completely right to come to us in that moment. Uh But at the same time, we finally decided that moment to be like, you know what? No, let's call our parents, see how everyone's doing and Mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. My dad got called into work after the first, cause he used to work at, uh, Fox uh, Fox 5, not Fox News, but for the news. And they got called into work when the first thing happened, uh, when the first hit landed, and then was on the bridge going into the city when the second one happened and uh, was had to stay, uh, like, he was stuck in traffic on the bridge for, like, hours and hours oh and God. hours. And then he just turned around and never even got into the studio. He had to come back, like, a couple of days later because they, like, sucks. closed shit off. Yeah. It's fucking... <laughs> 9-11. Why are we talking about 9-11? <laughs> 
<laughs> it just came up organically. It just came up casually, and As now I've been talking unbroken about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, thank you for coming on the Alex Jones yeah, show, yeah, yeah, Info yeah. Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm screaming about 9/11. Jeff Fuel can't melt still beams. <laughs> the gold was moved. Follow me. Follow the money. Yep. Follow the money. I remember the heat wave followed by the power outage and I think that was 03 I was there for that I was in the middle of a dance class and the lights just all went out so I was like sweaty and gross and then Woody could shower with hot water and like I had to pay cash for all my food for a while and I remember I went back to my uh I was staying in a hostel briefly and the guys that had been in the same room with me and this girl had left early they had a flight but they obviously they turned around because there was no power and we had wet the sheets it was so fucking hot there was no air con wet the sheets and we were laying naked in the beds thinking that this is our room now it's fine and the guys from Spain came back and we were just like it's gonna be safe to just like stay facing the wall and like be whatever and I heard the sound of like a camera clicking they were taking pictures of like us (laughs) sleeping naked on these beds like it was so and I was too scared to like say anything or move like I think my butt was covered but like the whole my whole back and stuff was exposed and I just like stayed facing the wall just like oh my god please don't do anything to me oh my god oh my god so that's my memory of the the power outage uh the power outage I have a my I worked at uh I was a lifeguard at the beach on Long Island uh and the power outage happened in like August Uh I was at the beach um I had like a Nokia cell phone brick at the time or whatever and I just we worked till 7 p.m. at the beach <laughs> driving home as I'm driving home I start going like wow none of these street lights are on mm-hmm. that's weird I pull up to my house my house is pitch black which is not normal my mom is like flicks on all the overhead lighting in a disgusting way I'm living with my mom at the time obviously I start get out of my car. She opens the door. She's like, Jesus Christ, you're okay. You're okay. Oh my God. We were worried sick. We, and I like my phone. I have like 40 missed calls, all this shit. And just cause I was at the beach, there was no signifier that the power went out. We had no idea. How no one was know? like, there's no electric outlet. Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. We had it's no ocean. idea. I just, I was like, no mom, it didn't get to the beach. <laughs> like we had no idea about the blackout. And she's like, get in the house. And there's like candles lit. And I'm like, this is fucking wild. I'm like, how long has it been like this? She's like a few hours. Oh, <laughs> I had man. no idea. Yeah. It was stressful. There were people partying. I went to Times Square that night just to go fuck shit up and like people partying everywhere. And well, that's the thing I like about the thing I miss about New York would never happen. The camaraderie. Here. There's like the camaraderie. And like, I think the subway builds your camaraderie. Yeah. Cause you're just like, Hey, we're a hundred strangers, but we have to stand dick to dick for the next 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Excuse me to get to our office jobs. So after a while, you're like, I'm part of a larger organism. That is the Manhattan, uh, the New York city populace. So when shit goes down, like the blackout and it's like the local bodega is like when we had Sandy, I was living in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we had Sandy, uh, our local bar was like, uh, sent a text that for all the real like diehard locals was like doors locked, but come knock. We're fucking, we have no power. Yeah. Come drink, come drink everything in the fridges. Yep. And we were like, fuck yeah. And then we were there shit faced to like two in the morning. And then a dude who worked at the Mexican spot around the corner was like, you guys want me to make, make us all food? quesadillas? Yeah. And we were like, yup. We like took a bunch of booze from there and we went into the fucking uh, taco place. Then we were like, well now we're fucked up and we're full. Let's wander into Red Hook where the water is like chest deep in oh, the streets. God. And we did. We walked oh all the way God. through chest deep water. I came home and my wife was like, what the fuck? What were you doing? I was like, whoa, we're just adventuring. She goes, there's power lines down. Like, you know, one of those, just like, I'm 25. Yeah, yeah. 
I could have been electrocuted. I was covered in oil. I had like oil all over my shit. And I was like, gotten. I don't approve of this. No, no, you shouldn't. No one should. Made bad decisions. That was my last weekend in New York. We moved (laughs) the week of Sandy. It was an insane experience. Just coincidentally. Yes. Sandy happened. And all of our stuff was in boxes in the living room. We had nothing. And we had like a, we had people come over our house. We cut open the box of our wedding liquor and shared it with everyone that was in the neighborhood at the time. And we, when we went to the airport to move to LA, we had all, they told us the company that was shipping our stuff was like, we're not gonna be able to get there for two weeks. Now we were driving to the airport paying, uh, a car service, a hundred and something dollars to get us there because there was like a gas premium and we're driving up to BQE and Manhattan is dark. Yeah. And me and my wife are just like in the backseat of a car with the dog. How surreal. Crying. Just like. This is the weirdest thing ever. We're leaving this. What a way to say goodbye. It was a way to say, it was a weird way to say goodbye, but also we were depressed that we weren't staying to help or yeah. staying to suffer alongside people. Yeah, I get like it. It felt like a Solidarity. weird. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that weird thing of like, I feel bad that we're leaving. Like, no, this is our city. We got to help out. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking put sandbags somewhere or something. It's I'm going to help out by like getting fucked up and swimming in my street. <laughs> I don't think anyone feels like that in LA. That's the thing. If some shit went down in LA, like people are kind here. Yeah. Like people aren't assholes. But they go back to their hometowns probably. Yeah. Well, there's so much, so much privacy in LA. Like yeah. you just get in your car by yourself and leave. You just go home to your apartment, yeah. your house. You go to like, and, and now so even more, like there's so much opportunities to just, you can go through your entire day with noise canceling headphones on and never interact with someone. But That's like true. in in New York, even with your headphones, a dude would be wiping his ass on the F train. And I like, hate you know, it. <laughs> oh, I hated that. Or wagging his dick at you or something. I know. I never, I've seen since I, I've been going back to the gym now pretty steadily for like three months. And I finally surpassed the amount of dicks I've seen in LA than I saw outside in New York. It's very <laughs> weird. The homeless people here are different. They, I feel like they're less vocal here. Whereas in New York, I'd be walking on the street sometimes and a guy would just randomly just be like, yeah, you know, you look good. Yeah. And I was like, thanks. It, the, the difference between the homeless. And I feel like part of it is like a 10 year passing of time. Cause it's gotten so much worse for people, mm-hmm. but there's an element to here where you can kind of survive outside year round. So there becomes like this sort of like, uh, more of a community, whereas yeah. in New York, it feels like it's a bunch more individuals. Yeah, in the city, at least. Yeah, in the cold, and then you feel much worse in the winter when they're sleeping places or right. asking you for things, and you're like, God, your life is hard. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Homeless people. Nine eleven. I divorce. know. What else can we talk? Cat poison cannabis. Do you see what I mean? Like, I'm too dark for like a normal person. I need somebody who can like make jokes about nine eleven and like, you know, and not be like you're a terrible person. Right. So. Yeah, I think. I'm confident you'll find someone. Well, thanks for your confidence. I don't have any. Well, that's good. I have plenty for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a white straight male who has a podcast. I'm the most confident type of person you can be. Yeah. My podcast is coming back. I was doing it with my husband and now I'm going to take it. Hell make yeah. Make it mine. It's yours. It's mine. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what's that podcast going to be? Let's plug it. Let's tell people to it's check It's called Glitchin'. Glitchin'? I'm just looking for a producer. Actually, someone slid in the other day and was like, I heard you on this podcast. I think you'd be great. I'm a sound engineer. Let's do this. I was like, okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. There that'd it be is. fun. So Glitchin'. I already have like all the website and everything. I already removed him from most of <laughs> all of that bullshit. <laughs> like, like Black Mirror slowly deleting yeah. a person out of your like online life. Yeah, I blocked him on everything and all his family and all his friends. Smart. Yeah. It's, it was better for my mental health and we went no contact. Yeah. That, 
I feel like that's the right move. Definitely. Cause yeah. we weren't going no contact. We were talking and trying to like be friends through it. Right. And I was just verbally abusing him all the time. Right. And he was just saying horrible things yeah. back. And I was yeah, like, and maybe is- there's a time where you can become communicative again. I but- don't think so. I don't think I'll it's ever. It's not necessary. Yeah. I yeah. don't think I'll ever get to that point where I want to speak to him or see him ever again. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's your, fuck yeah. That's how I feel. Whatever is going to make you feel good and be happy at this point, that's what it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of bad things that I'm not going <laughs> to put out there in the universe, but <laughs> I'm just trying not to be self-destructive right now. I know that's what a lot of people do when they're in like this phase. It's and very easy to slip into that. Yes. yes. So yeah. I'm trying to like keep my head on my shoulders and exercise and eat healthy and yeah. not not like fuck a bunch of people and give yourself all the, uh, checks in the positive mental health column that you can to help fight all the shit that's dealing in the negative. Like legit. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like my, cause it's easy to just let that shit slip. And then all of a sudden it's just more and more shit on this side. And then of the you're scale. just a bad girl again. Like yeah. I'm not trying to be her. Yeah. And, and you, and you feel like you're justified in it because of what, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's very easy and it's completely, it makes sense. It's rational. And, but at the same time, you just know you're, you're a grown up now. Yep. You know, you can't do that shit, which is a, a fucking hard. It's so hard to be an adult and say like, this is what I think I need right now, but there's another brain on top of this going, no, 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 no. You know, this is going to be bad if you yeah. go this way. Yeah. I'm, I've in the last two years been dealing with my mental health issues a lot mm-hmm. and I've got a lot of, tools in my tool belt that help me like function as a member of society now. Yeah. You need tools. I got on pills. Oh, Hey, that's for, I have not gotten to that yet, but I am certainly for it. You I'm know? back on that. Like I went eight years without them and like prided myself on that. Yeah. So this feels a little bit like a defeat, right. but after like the first week, cause I didn't find out about his affairs for a couple of weeks. I just thought that I was fat and disgusting for a couple of weeks. So I was like going to die. I was going to just stop living. I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping. And my family and my friends were like, you need to talk to somebody. And the psychiatrist was like, we got to put you on something right now. Cause you're in a dangerous place, right. you know? And then I've since switched cause I was too much pillage. I was like manic and a little bit, you know, crazy. So I'm just on like a little bit. You're finding your dosage. Yeah, it's like a little tiny bit of Prozac every day, um, which I'd like to get off of. Yeah. I would say if you, if your vision wasn't 2020, it wouldn't be defeated for you to wear glasses. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you had a, if you had a bad back, it wouldn't be a defeat to wear like a brace when you exercise. It's true. So if you don't look at that as a defeat, I'm if trying. I, can help I really you, yeah, am yeah, trying. I told you. Um, just to use that glasses analogy again for something weedy. I heard Seth Rogen on the Howard Stern show uh, when they were out in LA last mm-hmm. week. And someone said, are you worried about being addicted to cannabis? And Seth said, I'm not addicted to it. I just, need it to live <laughs> and they were like well what huh huh and his analogy went further and i started to buy into it because i'm like i actually kind of feel this way he's like if you were nearsighted you wouldn't say you were addicted to your glasses walking around barefoot hurts Dude, is Are someone addicted, addicted to, to their sneakers yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like oh and i realized like i have not foregone anything in my personal life Maybe I'm slightly less apt to go out to an event because I have weed and I can enjoy Big Mouth thoroughly by myself. Like, but I I don't think it's, weed has only had, and this, my big fear is that this is also me rationalizing and justifying my behavior, but weed has only improved my life. Yeah. In in that it helped replace drinking for me as someone who just needed something to take the edge off and like, Drinking actually wasn't taking the edge off. It was just giving me more edges. It's a depressant. Yeah. It's, yeah. And now I feel so much better. I've lost weight. I've 
my GI tract is normal. Feeling again. good, yeah. <laughs> Relatively normal. I still ruin it by uh, with poor food choices. Don't um, we all? But I, I've like defeated the munchies more or less. Like, yeah, I, I, that's like, a hard one. It's hard. I, I get. I've always had a huge appetite, mm-hmm. but now I'm good at like, if I'm getting super high tonight, it's about eating a giant salad or uh, sweet potatoes and chicken. Like, I'm all about like. Go ahead, consume whatever size food you want, but it's got to be clean. Yep. Yeah. Although last night I did eat a peanut butter cookie and then went back for a couple of scoops of ice cream. Oh. And, uh, yeah. That's. Did that, you feel sick? No. No? I felt great <laughs> this morning I woke up. <laughs> Lactose doesn't sit well with me. Oh, I'm good with dairy. It's it's grains that fuck me up. Okay. Yeah. That's what, I'm, that's what I learned. The yeah, hard bread way. and or dairy the easy way. <laughs> fucks me up. What's that? It gives me bad skin and stuff. What does? Bread and dairy. Oh, yeah. The best things the best that things ever. Here. <laughs> cheese yeah. sandwiches, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Grilled cheese with tomato soup is not something I can have regularly. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, I can't have bread. Beer used to be my favorite thing. Yeah. You know? And even when I started really smoking instead of drinking, like one beer with a joint when outside is like just a dream. Especially because the mercine in it. It, it ex- exacerbates the effects of the cannabis. So yeah. they're, they're crossfaded. It's a wonderful effect. Oh, yeah. I will say when I get crossfaded is when my appetite becomes indestructible. <laughs> I, I, me and my wife were trying to hash it out the other day. And I was like, I get the munchies a little bit from from cannabis like anyone else. But I think drinking loosens the inhibitions of 100%. how gross it is to eat this much. or yep. how Drinking has always prevent uh, helped me or... I should say, helped me in a negative way, not think about consequences, mm-hmm. including like how I'm going to feel tomorrow. And you know, you have to be at work at 8 a.m. or whatever. And you still, and I would do that with food where once I got like, once I'm wasted, I can eat whatever and then add little munchies on there. And it's a, a, a full on problem. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, and now I know that. I, and I, I try not to get too crossfaded except when I'm, and when I do, I know what's coming. <laughs> I've been doing more like tequila club sodas. That was, I switched, that's my open bar drink, tequila yeah. club soda or vodka, Tito soda or whatever. Yeah. That feel much better the next day if you only drink that. Yep. Um, I haven't told this story on the, <laughs> this, but because it happened to me last week, I'll tell you my last anti-drinking story. Thursday night was the Giants-Pats game. I went to go meet up with some friends. I've had a, I had a rough day after a long week, four days, long week of doing my job, of doing this. <laughs> like, who am I kidding? A lot of running around. Uh-huh. Um, and I just smoked a joint outside as I walked into the bar. I was so late to the game. I started like catching up to my friends. I was drinking a bunch of tequila sodas and pint glasses. And then it turned into karaoke night, and I guess I stayed and sang. And I jumped in an Uber. I was only gone for like three hours. I came home, and I was pretty drunk. I went to sleep, and it must have all hit me while I was asleep, and mm-hmm. I got wasted. In addition to like the six pints of tequila soda I drank, in the was like six pints of soda or eight uh-huh. pints of soda. My wife wakes up, wakes me up, and she's like, babe, babe, babe. And I am, she heard water running, but it wasn't. I was full on pissing my bed. Oh my God. And I take like two minute pisses because I drink so much fluids and I'm a big boy. When I wake up in the morning, I take like a two to two and a half minute piss every morning. I took a full on two minute piss in the bed. In the bed. And my wife could not get me to stop. Like, And it was the way she describes it. I should have her on the podcast to describe her side of it for the listeners to hear how fun. She's like, 
there was a puddle on the floor and it was like splashing and bouncing. Out. It was on the nightstand because I was laying right on the edge of the bed and just unbroken. She because it took her forty five seconds to even hear it because it just filled the bed, my underwear, and b- before it even went down to the mm-hmm. ground. It was crystal clear because I had so much soda water she had to throw the laundry in. She was so mad at me, and I the only thing and I I did the fucking awful husband thing of like. I was so embarrassed that I got mad at her for mm-hmm. making me feel embarrassed. But I was drunk too. We woke up the next morning and I go, see, that's why I smoke weed. And she's like, don't use this. Just again. I was like, yeah. but this, I never pissed the bed on weed. And no, that's my me thing. Neither. Yeah. No I one ever beats the their bed. wife stoned. Oh my God. Yeah. I never pissed the bed drunk either. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you're just not a bed pisser. You're a grown up. <laughs> I have a uh, control of myself. I think I stopped binge drinking by the time I was like 22. I was like over it. Right. I, that's the only time I've ever pissed the bed. I've definitely pissed, um, like in my office chair or in a drawer thinking it was a toilet, you know, just like Dude. lizard brain stuff. Yeah. <laughs> over, over the course of 20 years of hard drinking, a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah. I am pretty good at peeing, uh, where you're supposed to. <laughs> Well, you have to squat as a girl. It's That's a little harder. Dating profile. I'm pretty good at peeing where I'm supposed to. Sunglass emoji. What right? the fuck does this mean? If it's on your chest and I'm supposed to, then that's where I'm doing it. A little I got, golden shower. I'm pretty good. Yep. Whatever you want. Whatever you need. No, I have to draw some boundaries. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, for now. It's fun discovering what I like because I don't know. Yeah, you're you're about to discover a lot about yourself. I'm discovering a lot of things right now. (laughs) Well, that's great. That's another positive. It's like old jokes that you got to pull out of the vault if like the new ones aren't doing well. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know how to do this. Maybe you like that better. Do you remember this? (laughs) I haven't done this one in eight years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Too real. Uh, Um, Well, Adrian, thank you so much for coming on High and Mighty. This is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This was fun. Um, I'm always uh, reticent to just reach out to a woman and say, "Would you like to come to my?" house and record a podcast so i appreciate you doing I'm this i'm a comedy bitch I get yeah it. exactly you're like i'm a dark freak yep. doesn't matter yep um and thank you to you and the higher path for the goodies yeah. what a real treat Our pleasure heck yeah i'm flying to chicago tomorrow and i love lax's new rule of like we're not going to care if you have up to an ounce there you so go your boy is going to bring quite a bit of tree with yeah, him for bring a whatever you want um anything else you want to plug the the Upcoming Glitch podcast. Glitchin. Glitchin. Um, just follow me on all the socials. I'm at Cradrian. C-R-A-Y-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. Yeah, and you'll be tagging this. And if uh, if I tweet out uh, this episode and you guys want to re- uh, reply with some weed questions that maybe me yeah, or Cradrian can you. help you answer, let us know. Just re- reply and we'll hit you back for sure. For sure. All right. Check out. So it's at Cradrian. Get yourself get yourself up to the higher path in Sherman Oaks or wherever else it comes to yep, soon. Yep. Um, and uh, download the glitch in podcast. By the time this comes out, who knows? Could be out. I already. Think it will be. Could be at the top of the charts. Could Fuck. have Joe Rogan as a guest That's already. Who up. fucking knows? <laughs> the sky is the fucking limit. Yep. Yes. Hell yeah. Thanks for coming on. I'm at Gabrus on all social media. Check out my other podcast action boys. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. Shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.